Hello, welcome to the Richard Hunter interview. As ever, this is a place where I'll be discussing matters of interest with a whole range of investment experts. In this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Richard Penny, Fund Manager of the TM Crux UK Special Situations Fund. Richard joined Crux Asset Management in June 2018 and started managing the UK Special Situation Funds in October of that year. Prior to this, Richard had worked at Legal and General Investment Management for 15 years, where he had managed the award-winning LNG UK Alpha Trust and LNG UK Special Situations Trust, as well as several segregated mandates. Previously, he worked at MNG Investment Management, and prior to that, Scottish Amicable Investment Management. Richard has a master's degree in engineering and economics from Oxford University. So the UK Special Situations Fund, could you perhaps kick us off by telling us uh, about the investment style and the objectives for the fund, please? Yeah, yeah, we're trying to, to, to beat the UK stock market over the long period of time by quite quite aggressive 5% per annum. It's an aggressive stock picking fund. The investment style is growth at a reasonable price or value with a catalyst. Um, I think that's important because we're avoiding very expensive growth stocks and some of those value stocks that can be can be value traps. And we do we achieve the the style and the objectives. Uh, we try to do that by investing in predominantly small and mid-sized companies. Okay, so what does the sector allocation of the fund look like at the moment? Yeah, at the moment, um, among, amidst the larger companies, we've got some of the cyclicals. So we've got some financials. And, and the cyclical sectors like, uh, Whitbread in the, in the leisure sector. And then, um, some of the growth at a reasonable price were, were definitely overweight in healthcare and technology. And that's been very rewarding for us, um, over the last year in particular. And do you find that there tend to be more opportunities outside of the large cap space? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for 29 years, that's, that's where I've specialized in, in smaller companies. So, you know, my, Permanent answer would be yes to that, but I think there's a couple of reasons um, that I'd like to expand on there. So, you know, there are a lot of people looking at the very large companies sort of globally, hundreds of people, PhDs, MBAs. So it's quite difficult to add value in that area. And of course, there's less large companies. As you go down into smaller companies, there are far more of them. And there tends to be more mispricing, which as an active manager is what you're looking for. So that's the kind of the long-term situation. So perhaps more and uh, better opportunities. But I, th- I think what's really important is that when you have an economic sell-off, as we've obviously had in the last year or so, the smaller companies tend to be disproportionately hit, firstly by the economy, but also in terms of their share prices. That doesn't sound so great because when they recover, the economy goes from being a hindrance to a, to a helping hand. And actually, the, the pickup in some of the share prices can be really significant. And you mentioned the legal and general UK Alpha Trust, which I ran coming out of a great financial crisis. You made a lot of money by investing in the, in the smaller companies. Um, then when they were sort of discounted and overlooked. And we've started to see that sort of play out. And we've had good numbers off the back of investing in those smaller companies over the last year. And just the fact that the, uh, uh, you mentioned the fact that, uh, in relative terms, smaller companies can be under research. So obviously, you're looking for gems there. Does that cause any problems in in terms of size when you see perhaps uh, one of these fledgling companies that you really like the look of uh, and, and need to get in, you know, a, a decent holding, a decent position in that particular stock? So it, it may do if the fund was sort of 
above a billion and a half pounds if we got to become very big. The fund is currently about 75 million, so it's growing nicely. Um, but that basically, uh, basically we can buy anything that's say as small as a fifth of the size of the fund. What we do do, however, is we, we constrain, um, the very liquid shares to about 20% of the portfolio and the small caps outright to 40%. So it is a multi-cap fund. Um, it's about 20 to 25% in the larger companies, about 40 in the mid-tier and the balance in smaller cap and a little bit of cash. And just to put some, uh, some color on, on how the portfolio looks, could you perhaps talk us through one or two of your top holdings at the moment? What we tend to find with the portfolios, we put more money into the bigger names. So if you look at the top 10 or 20 holdings, it will be biased towards the bigger names. That's slightly misleading because the performances come from the smaller names where we own one to two percent. But I, but, but I will talk you through a few of the names. So the Prudential is the biggest holding in the fund. Um, I like the long term growth there. So this is very much growth at a reasonable price. It's, you know, because it's listed in the UK. And it doesn't pay as big a dividend as some of the likes of Legal and General or Viva. It's kind of seen as slightly the poor relation. The reality is, is it's very comparable to AIA, which is much more richly valued. That is the South Asian insurer. And there's always been this idea that as and when it gets rid of, firstly, it got rid of M&G, but it will get rid of Jackson Life in Q2 of this year, that the valuation can appreciate. And, and as I say, the, the catalyst here is in Q2. And you've got reasonable upside sort of north of 18 pounds against 15 and a half pounds, uh, today. That's the prudential. Uh, moving down into the mid caps. So I like IP group. It's been good for us over the year. They commercialize, um, university intellectual property. It was trading at, at, at half price a year ago because it wasn't in vogue in, in the downturn. Um, it's, it's trading about in line with its asset value at the minute, but that asset value looks set to grow. And yesterday, uh, sort of in March, they've announced the intention to float one of their big holdings, Oxford Nanopore. And that business, if it was listed on the NASDAQ or it was American, would be much more richly valued than is implied in the price of IP Group. So that continues to be a good name for us. Cyclicals in the UK, I like, I think the house builders are quite cheap. A year ago, everybody was fearful of unemployment and falling house prices. We've seen house prices go up and actually, you know, viewings are still pretty buoyant. Um, even for completions that will happen after this, the stamp duty break. So I think the house builders look good. And the, the one I like there is Vistry, which is also involved with social housing and infrastructure spend. Although the share price there has risen, the chief executive recently put half a million pounds of his money in, having done the same thing a year ago. So they've delivered very well and there's good upside to that. And then perhaps a couple of smaller names. Uh, Maxite is a business that's been really strong for us. They are involved with tools for gene therapy. That's, that's relevant because, um, there's a lot of gene sequencing going on around the world. And that's great. You can find that somebody may be predisposed to a disease. Um, but how do you then modify the cells in the body? Well, Maxide make the tools to do that. They're involved with uh, 120 drug programs in sort of cancer and rare diseases. And it's been a, it's been a very good stock for us over the last year. I think at the lows, it was a pound. It's, it's about nine pounds today. But there are still uh, price targets at 12, 17 pounds out there, and it's due to float on the NASDAQ market um, in the US later this year. So that, again, can be a catalyst for further appreciations. And then I recently added a stock called First Derivatives, um, which I've known very well over 10 years, and it's, it's been a, a big contributor to my portfolios over, over the 10 years. 
Um, but they're involved with sort of fast time series, databases, globally relevant technology. If, again, if it was list, listed in the US using some very conservative assumptions, it could quite easily be 30 or 40% higher. And I think that's just a, a core holding that will do very well for us over you know, three to five years. Let's slide aside there. You mentioned the, the potential of a NASDAQ listing, for example. Would that automatically take that particular stock out of your universe? Or would, would that be uh, an example of a, a stock perhaps having a dual listing? I, I would think in, the, in this particular case, they will have a dual listing. And I would, I would have thought, you know, the principal aim is to make it easier to raise capital. They wouldn't be looking to disenfranchise their UK investors. So, um, I don't think it would. Clearly, if the share price went up a lot and the price was beyond our targets, which can happen in the US where they are much more aggressive on valuation, clearly we might just decide to sell it anyway. But, uh, um, you know, currently it's a core holding that we're very excited about its prospects. You mentioned earlier, obviously, we've had an absolutely extraordinary um, 2020. How have you found that your, your fund has coped in that obviously difficult environment? And, and perhaps did it even give you the opportunity to top up or add new names to the portfolio? Yeah, well, I think a year ago, the, the food shop came as a complete surprise. The, the prospect of companies sort of seeing their revenues go almost to nothing overnight in certain sectors. Uh, was certainly unanticipated and, and certainly wasn't anticipated by me. So we tend to be underweight defensives. And I have to say last March, April was quite difficult for the fund. Um, but actually the recovery that we've had is, is far than, far more than made up for any, any problems we've had. And we, you're right. We have done that by adding to some of the names we've got, but also finding some really interesting opportunities, you know, and names like Maxite, we've seen a very strong performance. Um, not only in the, in the post recovery and sort of Q2 of last year, but actually post the, the trade deal and with, with Europe on December the 24th. What's your general view of the UK at the moment? Obviously, it's been a, a, an investment destination that's been largely shunned, particularly by overseas investors. But um, we, we've now got a couple of things out of the way and, and it is showing some signs of life so far in 2021. Do you, do you think it's a generally undervalued market? Yeah, well, we, we, we look at something called the, the Schiller PE or the cyclically adjusted PE because, I mean, let's, let's be honest about it. It's difficult to know exactly where profits are at the minute. But what that does, it takes an average of the last 10 years and then divides it by the current market level. And that shows the UK, um, you know, not far off the lows of 2009. So certainly a long-term market to buy. I say that because traditionally when it's been at this level, You've had double digit returns. So, so market to buy. I think we all know there's volatility around there, but, but yeah, certainly a buying opportunity. But I think you're right as well. We have seen more, um, clarity around the currency, around politics. And I think that makes the UK more investable for overseas investors. Now, historically, they were 50% of the UK market. And we know that the big global um, unitized funds have been substantially underweight in the UK. With it being a cheap market where some of the uncertainty is being removed, you know, I think that's a market where people w- will start to come back into it. And we've seen people more interested, just domestic investors in the UK as well this year. And I think it, what's also quite important is 
for UK investors, one of the strategies that worked in the previous five years, perhaps before the trade deal, was to own dollar earners where the dollar was strong and the pound was weak, and to earn the very large stocks. And then it, in, that, in that sort of environment, it didn't matter whether you were a five billion pound fund or, or a two hundred million pound fund. But I think as we've changed and the UK is doing well under the vaccine, we should get six percent growth this year, and it's a key market. I think the real upside to that comes from stock picking, and I think it will come, you know, that's better leveraged in smaller funds, indeed, like we have at sort of 70 or 80 million pounds. So in terms of your, your, your kind of general outlook and, and how, how you see, see things moving from here, you say that obviously you're, you're, you're very, uh, very much uh, uh, stock pickers. Are there any sort of themes or sectors, for example, that you find yourself continually dr- drawn towards at the moment? Yeah, I think at the minute I like, um, I think cyclical sectors that haven't necessarily bounced as much as they could have done at the house builders and, you know, the wealth managers. We own Brew and Dolphin there. They, they will benefit from rising interest rates and rising markets. And they trade below where they're traded, you know, per pound of profit, you know, 20 percent discount to where they've been over the last five or 10 years. So I think that's interesting. I particularly like healthcare and technology. Um, and in healthcare, I'm not looking at particularly at COVID stocks. I'm looking at. Some of the other areas like the gene therapy, um, small cap and, 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 and micro cap, of course, we like. Just to some extent, recently, I've, I've started looking at some of the defensives that were very much in vogue, but sold off as everybody went to cyclicals. So I have added uh, Kranswick, which has been a great stock over the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, but I also have Chem, Chemring and Premier Foods, which I think are offer good upside. But they're kind of more mid-cap names. Yeah, do you think... Do you think maybe then that um, I mean, you, so you're not necessarily picking the stocks you mentioned there for their defensive qualities because um, you're concerned about the direction of the market, more the fact that you see value within those stocks at, at current price levels. Absolutely, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're stocks that have got twenty to thirty percent upside and more. They happen to be defensive. They would hold hold up really well if, if there was, for whatever reason, another problem with the economy, which you know is not in consensus, and I don't foresee. Uh, but we. You know, we're trying to build a bit of resilience into the portfolio. I think it's, I think it's quite important not to be too aggressively unlock or, or lock down stocks and to have a bit of a balance there. Cause, you know, we are in uncertain times. And I, you know, I guess we will at some point get volatility in the next 12 months. But as previously discussed, I do think the UK is a market that, that is one to buy under such circumstances and indeed to buy now. Uh, and finally, just, um, just, in terms of that outlook, obviously there have been concerns in the states, in particular, uh, around inflation and whether interest rates might need to rise uh, rather than sooner than expected. Has that concern, do you think, um, really translated to us across the pond? Yeah, we've seen we've seen the shares in financials go up, so the long bond rates have been going up, and that's kind of good for insurers and and banks. Um, and then, of course, we've seen some buoyancy in. The reflation trade, so miners and oils, you always have to be mindful that, that they're quite a reasonable part of the UK market. Um, so they, they could go up to another level, but things like copper have been trading at recent highs. Of course, you know, how much further will they go? Um, it, you know, something that we just have to be aware of. For sure. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for. So many thanks again 
for your time. That's Richard Penny of the GM Crux UK Special Situation Fund. And thank you for listening. Please feel free to like and subscribe. And of course, you can find much more, by the way, investment insight and ideas at ii.co.uk. I'll be back next Tuesday with another Richard Hunter interview. Bye for now.